This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Welcome, everyone, to Behind Enemy Lines. I'm Alejandro Suniga over at the Michigan Insider. Today, we are talking Michigan versus Nebraska. The Cornhuskers are coming to town for a 3.30 p.m. kickoff on Saturday afternoon. Excited to have with me Brian Christopherson. He is a senior writer over at Husker 24-7, covers all all things Cornhuskers. Brian, how are you doing this afternoon? Um, I'm doing all right. Uh, getting ready to uh, to head up there. Uh, I love I love Ann Arbor. I love going to the big house. So I'm pretty excited about it. It should be it should be a fun game uh, as we roll into mid November, approaching you know approaching all the big games, all the goals that Michigan has had for this season are getting ever closer. Uh, and while beating Nebraska wasn't necessarily one of them, uh, winning this game this weekend is an important stepping stone on the way to a potential Big Ten championship game berth and certainly a a potential college football playoff berth. Uh, Things haven't gone quite so well for the Cornhuskers uh, as we're about to dive into, but this was a season that before it started seemed to have a lot of promise. I mean, this was certainly always going to be a make or break season for Scott Frost uh, following the three and nine season last year. Uh, but but there were there was a lot of of good news in the offseason, at least it seemed from the outside. You know, uh, the yeah. Huskers brought in Mark Whipple from Pitt uh, as offensive coordinator. He engineered an excellent offense at Pitt last year, uh, you know, bringing in Casey Thompson as quarterback, a transfer who was highly sought after. Trey Palmer, uh, a very well-regarded wide receiver, a former four-star commit or four-star recruit. Uh, but things just haven't gone well for the Cornhuskers. You know, fired Scott Frost after a one and two season. There have been injury issues. There have been recently, as of just a couple hours ago, as we record on Tuesday afternoon, some disciplinary issues. Uh, so, so Brian, walk me through this season. It seemed like there was a lot of promise. Certainly there was pressure on Scott Frost, but it seems to have gone worse than maybe anyone really anticipated. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, Nebraska played that week zero game against Northwestern in Dublin, and there was so much attached to that. You know, if they could get off to a good start there, the thought was maybe they end, they get this season off to a 3-0 and record, and then you've got some uh, wind at your back, and, and who knows. But they blew an 11-point lead in the second half, and really after that game, immediately after you felt like Scott Frost was sort of a lame duck coach. I mean, you really did. It was sort of um, a matter of time before Trev Alberts, the Huskers AD, made the decision. It was just, when's it going to happen? He actually did it a little bit earlier than people thought because I won't get all into it, but Scott Frost's contract had a buyout number that switched on October 1st. So people thought they'd wait, you know, a month into the season, but 
Um, I think it was at a point where Trev Albert said, I got to at least give this team a chance under new leadership and a new voice to um, do something with this year and not just wave a white flag. And so that's why they they uh, made the move to Mickey Joseph uh, three games into the season after they lost to Georgia Southern um, 45-42 in a game where they gave up a ridiculous amount of yards and the defense was playing some of the worst football you've seen statistically. I mean, they're still down at the bottom of the barrel, but it's all because those first three or four weeks, they just couldn't stop anything on defense. So they have gotten a little bit better on that side of the ball. They've had some good moments. I think Mickey Joseph has brought some life to them. But then when there was a little momentum, Casey Thompson gets injured. And uh, frankly, they just don't have a good answer behind Casey Thompson for the offense they want to run. And so now it feels like, what, are they, what do they do on offense, you know, with, without him? And it doesn't seem like he's going to play. He hasn't been ruled out, but it seems very unlikely he's going to play this week. Yeah, let's let's talk about that. Let's dive into uh, to the Nebraska offense. Uh, you know, as, as we were just mentioning before, uh, there was a lot of promise, and and Casey Thompson was a big piece of that promise. Uh, he went down a couple weeks ago with sounds like it's a nerve injury in his throwing arm. Uh, like I said, we're recording this on Tuesday afternoon, but from everything I'm seeing, uh, what the Nebraska coaches were talking about today. They're going to see if he can practice Wednesday uh, yeah. and and then make the decision. But that doesn't seem likely at this point. You know, it seems like they're leaning more toward using their backups. And, and so let's talk about those backups. You've got Chubba Purdy. You've got Logan Smothers, both of whom have played, you know, a little bit more now that, that Casey Thompson's been out. They haven't performed quite so well, but what do they bring to the table, assuming that's who we're going to see on Saturday at Michigan Stadium? Yeah, uh, the fan base, I think I can say this and not speak out of turn. Most of the fan base thinks they should start Logan Smothers. He's a little bit more of a runner. Um, the reason the fan base feels that way is Logan has um, sort of been a gamer. Like uh, Supposedly, he practices inconsistently, but when he's been put in games, he he's directed the offense. Okay. Like he started against Iowa to end the year last year and uh, they were ahead 21 to six going in the fourth quarter. And he was efficient in what they asked him to do. Um, and this year um, when he's been put in games um, he's done. Okay. You know, on Saturday they lost 20 to 13 to Minnesota. Chubba Purdy started uh, and had a good first series when they were on the scripted plays. But when they got off of those scripted plays, it just looked like he was not seeing the field, not a lot of confidence in the throw game. And Mickey Joseph admitted they probably went to Logan Smothers too late in that game. Um, Smothers came in, drove him down for a field goal, then threw a nice ball in fourth down that should have had him on about the 30-yard line with a shot still in the last minute, but it got, Trey Palmer dropped it. And uh, so I think uh, we'll see. It's probably going to be a Thursday announcement. If there is an announcement, that's when the decision is going to be made. I kind of think they might go Logan Smothers' way just because that's sort of where all the momentum is right now. Not that they have to do what the fans and media want, but there's sort of that feeling like they got to try something different than Chubba Purdy. You're telling me we don't call the shots on on who Nebraska starts at quarterback? Apparently not, because yeah, we we definitely don't call anything around here. Um, <laughs> that, that's for sure. Well, I'll say just uh, just to throw it out there in case Casey Thompson can go, 
Uh, like I said, he, he transferred from Texas, uh, picked Nebraska from, you know, from an array of suitors. He he was a, a well-regarded and highly sought-after quarterback uh, in the transfer portal. Uh, right now, he's ranked fifth in the Big Ten uh, in passing yards at 253 yards per game. Uh, you know, he's got the ability to extend plays with his legs, although he's not necessarily like a run-first quarterback. Uh, and he's got 12 touchdowns. 10 interceptions this year, uh, so a bit error prone. But of those 12 touchdowns, a lot of them uh, have gone to to really the focal point uh, for the Cornhuskers offense and and one of the better weapons in the Big Ten, uh, who is Trey Palmer at wide receiver. Uh, he, he's he got 53 receptions for 800-plus yards, five touchdowns this year. Uh, he was certainly someone that, that opponents had circled coming into the season as someone who transferred from LSU and was a, a very, uh, very well-regarded recruit when he was in high school. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a guy who, you know, Nebraska, it seems, tries to get him the ball as much as possible. Uh, I think many of us probably saw the highlights, if not watched the game against Purdue a few weeks ago when he just went off for 200-plus yards. Uh, you know, he, he they get him the ball in end-arounds. He can take deep shots. He's fast. He's dangerous. Uh, what... I, you know, I just mentioned all these superlatives. What sort of things does he do that that's so dangerous to defenses? Well, Trey Palmer is one of the fastest players in college football, I think. And he doesn't necessarily look that way on film. Um, but Casey Thompson, who uh, threw to Xavier Worthy at uh, Texas, who's regarded as one of the speedsters in college football. Oh, Michigan uh, fans know Xavier Worthy. Very well. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it, he uh, he says that Palmer's in that same class of speed, basically. And Purdue found that out. I mean, if anybody watched that game, Purdue just didn't have a DB who could run with Trey Palmer. But here's the thing. When Casey Thompson's not available, it not only takes away one, you know, Thompson, it takes away maybe Nebraska's best weapon in Palmer. I mean, not saying they can't still get him the ball, but it's got to be more short, crisp passes. Uh, it kind of takes away that downfield threat that they had um, when Thompson's available. So that's, that's really what's happened the last, you know, game and a half is before the Thompson injury, um, you would say Casey and Trey Palmer, arguably two of Nebraska's three best players. And now with Casey injured, basically it's like taking out two guys with when one guy's out, you know, so that, that, that's what's happened here. In terms of the Nebraska offense, you know, I personally, I loved watching Nebraska under Scott Frost because even though the record wasn't always fantastic, it just seemed like he was such a creative mind. And there were always motions, there were always very interesting plays that seemed to maximize uh, the offensive talent available. In terms of why they've underwhelmed a bit this year, is there something that stands out as to just other than Casey Thompson's injury that just hasn't worked this year? Their whole line is mediocre to bad. I mean, that's really it. I mean, in this league, you know, the thing I think a lot of people in Nebraska really respect about Michigan when they watch Harbaugh teams is you know who they are. You know that they're going to come at, straight at you and uh, that they, they just have confidence in that run game and they're, they're confident that over the course of a game, three- or four-yard runs are going to turn to six- and seven-yard runs and so forth. And Nebraska doesn't have that. They don't have that consistency I think you need in this league up front where you feel like, okay, you're in a 10-10 game in the third quarter. 
you know, you're handing it to that back and you're mashing somebody a little bit and, and you're kind of enforcing your will. They have not been able to do that. You know, people of a certain age, when they think of Husker football of the glory years, they think of great offensive line play and uh, just wearing teams out. And uh, this group, they, they, they don't have that. And um, it hasn't been there. And so it's hard to imagine it's just going to materialize here on, on Saturday against one of the better run defenses in the league. So um, that makes it very difficult, of course, when you have backup QBs and you don't feel like you can get an assist from that run game. And Nebraska plays fast too. They play with tempo and it's just a bad formula. They're given the time of possession has turned into like, you know, 38 minutes for the other guy, 22 minutes for Nebraska sort of thing. And and then your, your defense gets worn out and it gets ugly in a hurry. And that's, I think that's the big concern around here for this game is Nebraska is not good at chewing clock. They're not good at ball control. And, uh, um, it's, it's hard to imagine they're going to be able to uh, establish that all of a sudden this week. Yeah, it, that, that'll certainly be a factor. Uh, Michigan has has repped tempo on defense a lot this year after they really did struggle with it last year. That was a, a primary factor in in their lone regular season loss to Michigan State. Uh, and, you know, they, they beat Michigan State this year, which tried tempo. Uh, they beat Indiana, which is all tempo all the time. Uh, but I think we saw in, you know, even in the Rutgers game and, and in the Indiana game, when you're a tempo offense, but you're not moving the ball consistent consistently, that's really putting your defense in, in very uncomfortable positions, especially in the third and fourth quarters. Uh, one last note I want to make as, uh, as, as a Michigan note about the Huskers offense is that a former friend, Oliver Martin is still on the team. Uh, I drops, it seems have limited his playing time. Anything else real quick about Oliver Martin, how, how he's done. You know, last, this is, this is his second year at Nebraska last year. He, uh, he popped up in the first game against Illinois and had a hundred plus yards. And then he had an injury and it really derailed that season. He was healthy going into this year and there was some buzz that it was going to take off, but yeah, he's had some drops and just some, you know, he's sort of like the fourth, fifth, sixth guy at receiver. And so he kind of uh, he'll pop up here and there and he's made he's had a couple nice catches, but it's sort of, um, you know, I, I don't know what his numbers are right now. He's 150, 200 yards for the season, something like that. But uh, he had an unfortunate drop on Saturday against Minnesota on a third down that kind of hurt him. And so I think there's just been some inconsistency there. Well, uh, well, we'll wrap that up then with the Huskers offense. We're going to take a quick break, come back and talk about the defense. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. 
go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And we are back, folks, on the Michigan Insider, michigan.247sports.com. I'm Alejandro Suniga, uh, going behind enemy lines, breaking down the Nebraska Cornhuskers uh, from the perspective of a beat writer who covers Nebraska. I'm chatting here with Brian Christopherson, a senior writer at Husker 24-7 over at 247sports.com. Uh, just spent the first few minutes talking about the Nebraska offense. Uh, going to now talk about the defense, which uh, of the units has been yeah, started the season with appallingly bad numbers. I think there's no other way to put it. Uh, the numbers have improved Uh Midway through the season, uh, the interim head coach, in fact, fired the defensive coordinator, brought in an interim or promoted an interim in Bill Bush. Uh, and the numbers have looked better recently, but but for the season, this is still a Cornhuskers defense that ranks 13th in the Big Ten in points allowed per game. Last in total defense, they allow more than 440 yards per game. And in fact, in four games this year, have allowed more than 500 yards so this is not a unit that has been very good. Uh, that being said, there have been some flashes, especially recently. So uh, Nebraska lost to, to Minnesota last weekend, but in the first half, they did hold the Gophers to negative rushing yards to 31 total yards. And they've played a couple teams in a row now that are run first teams. So they faced Illinois they face Minnesota and now they're facing Michigan. So, so maybe there is something there that they're not as, as shockingly bad as their numbers suggest, but I want to toss it over to you. I mean, where are the improvements that they've made? And I guess what went so wrong in the beginning of the season that, that put them in such a big hole. Yeah. I mean, last year, you know, Nebraska and Michigan was a fascinating game, 32 to 29 and they went toe to toe. And that was a Husker defense that had like five, six super seniors on it. And those guys just, they all knew how to do their job just consistently. And you could kind of uh, set your watch to guys doing it the right way. And I think it was probably underplayed in the off season around here, how difficult it was going to be to replace some of those guys. And um, some young guys have had to kind of grow through the fire. They've had some unfortunate injuries, like their senior co-captain linebacker, Nick Henrich, is out for the season. Miles mm -hmm. Farmer, who's probably played more snaps than anybody, is at safety. Um, he's suspended this week for an off-the-field deal, so he won't be out there. So they might be playing a walk-on safety, um, you know, next to a, a second-year uh, sophomore uh, on the back end of your defense. So, I mean, things like that have sort of added up, but their numbers are really bad. They have improved the last four games, but even in those four games, what I would say about them is they've played like a good half per game, but they haven't played four quarters. Like Minnesota, they played outstanding the first half. I mean, 31 total yards for the Gophers, but Minnesota ended up with 300 by game's end, and they started wearing Nebraska down with Mo Ibrahim, who's a very good back, but... I think uh, Blake Corum's is, you know, to me is as good as anybody in the country. So um, this, this is a run defense. I think that has its moments, 
But over the course of a game, they're being asked to play so many snaps because Nebraska's offense isn't giving them much. So there's not good complementary football going on, and they get worn down. And they've got young guys who eventually are going to make a mistake or get the wrong run fit, and, you, and you'll gap them, and, and there you go. So um, they're not as bad as a quick glance at their numbers suggest because the first four games were so astoundingly awful they were out like his I mean historical like they were on a historical course for worst defensive numbers in the Husker books there and so even though they have had a couple good games since then you know how it works there's not enough sample size to like bring those numbers back so there's no way they can recover from how bad they were the first month of the season at least on the when you look at the numbers you know, when you do look at the numbers, I mean, Nebraska is 13th in, in rushing yards allowed in, in the Big Ten, 12th in passing yards allowed in the conference. You know, it, it doesn't look like there's any any one facet where uh, they're exceptionally strong. It, it does seem to me, at least, uh, Garrett Nelson, an uh, edge rusher, he has seven tackles for loss. He has four and a half sacks. Uh, I believe he's a captain as well. Is he kind of like the one guy to look out for on the defense or, or are there a couple other guys that, that you think could make an impact? Yeah, he's a guy who can uh, he can get home on occasion, but the pass rush hasn't been consistent enough. O'Shawn Mathis is a name who was big in the portal this offseason out of TCU. He's been OK, but probably not um, hasn't jumped off the page maybe quite as much as was expected um, after that. Luke Reimer is one of their better players, a middle linebacker. You'll see him around the football a lot, but um, they're going to probably be starting a true freshman at one of the middle backer spots and Ernest Hausman, who I think is going to be a really good player, but uh, he's growing. I mean, it, they've got some guys who just are, are learning on the job and these are tough lessons sometimes, you know, where, where they, they make a mistake and it, it costs you in this league. So Mickey Joseph keeps talking about this, you know, he's from SEC country and he, when he looks at big 10 rosters, he says, everybody's old. Like you look at rosters, these, the teams that are good, they, they build them, they get old and they stay old. They find a way to have veteran grown men, you know, 22, 23 year old men. And uh, that's different. That's a different game. They're playing than a 19 year old. Who's kind of figuring it out as he goes. Now there's some really gifted young players as we know, but um, I, I feel like Nebraska has some guys who might be pretty good in time. But this is a season where they're uh, they're kind of paying their dues and figuring it out through uh, through some sometimes tough tough Saturdays. Well, Brian, this this season has not gone the way that Nebraska necessarily expected. Uh, it has been a very successful one so far for Michigan. You know, this is a game that when it came to you know, July and August, and I was planning out what the fall was going to look like, this was a game I was really excited about. You know, this was a uh, after last season, when it was such a close game on the road in Lincoln, like I said earlier, I love watching a Scott Frost offense and the things that they do with the ball. Uh, hasn't really panned out that way uh, for Nebraska. The opening line for this game, I don't know what the opening line was, but the current line, as I checked it uh, a few minutes before we started recording, was Michigan by 29 and a half points, yep. uh, which is that's a lot of points <laughs> no, no matter which way you slice it. So I, you know, I, I don't necessarily want to ask you for uh, you know, whether you think one team or another will cover or how, or, you know, who you think is going to win the game, but, 
but what sort of things do you expect to see on Saturday as Nebraska comes in trying to, you know, at least put together a respectable game in Ann Arbor? Yeah. I I mean, the honest truth of it is uh, um, there's a lot of people ducking for cover around here for this game, not inside the program walls, but I think outside the program fans and media, as they look at it, they're just like, this could get ugly, you know, like they're, they're down some guys and the QB situation looks so shaky. So what do you do? I mean, the best, the best formula from a layman um, to me is, you got to try to establish the ground game. You got to work on the clock. I think you got to bring your tempo down a notch. You got to, from Nebraska's standpoint, I think you got to accept if you can get three or four yards on a play, that's a win. And that you try to get yourself in third and manageables, you know, where you're in third and three, third and four. And then you've got to have, you got to have one of those days you know how this goes on third down where you're sort of, you, you get the five yards when you need four and then you, you chew another two minutes off the clock and some, you get a turnover, something like that. I mean, that's, that's sort of how this has to work. But the thing people wonder here is Mark Whipple, he likes to play fast and he, he sort of has like been like, this is what we do, you know? And uh, I feel a little bit for him because he's been handy. I mean, he's got a hand tied behind his back here without his QB and, He's had some injuries and stuff like that. But can Nebraska just settle in and play? I don't know if I'd call it a conservative game plan, but sort of a strategic game plan to work on the clock, try to shorten this game, and try to help your defense out. I mean, that's the best thing you can do. And then you got to somehow go plus, like plus two in turnovers or something, you know? And and then if you do something like that, you know, who knows? College football is weird sometimes, but. I'll be honest, and I've been covering this team a long time, and uh, this will be going into a game. This is in my five or six games I've covered where I've just been like, I don't know how how the heck <laughs> Nebraska finds a way, you know, to to get there and make this a four quarter fight. If they do, I'll be the first to tip my cap to them. But I think it's it's an uphill battle. Well, there, there's only one way to find out, and that's at the Big House on Saturday afternoon at 3.30. Uh, for myself over at the Michigan Insider, Alejandro Suniga, Brian, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we will have plenty more content at both of our sites. That's michigan.247sports.com and over at Husker 24-7 throughout the week. Um, if you like this podcast, please rate, subscribe, tell your friends once again. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you at the big house. Peace. It was a very bright, shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future, moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future. New documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply.